This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Good evening. Welcome along. My name is Vinny, and I'm struggling with the microphone, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a great professional start, but then what did you expect from the show? You've heard it before. It's a sham, for goodness sake. Um, my name is Vinny White. That's the important bit. And it's a radio show. That's probably reasonably self-evident. Um, it's good, but I'm biased. What would you say, Pat? Any good? Should, like they hang, should they hang around and listen to it? I'm going to. You are contractually obliged and paid, though. Perhaps that could be an incentive. If you'd like to listen to the rest of the show, we guarantee that we'll send out a check to every single listener. When I say guarantee... Anyway, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, quite a few things, actually. Spanish feminists and a moonbow. What's a moonbow? Well, you'll find out later. A little teaser for you. Uh, you can contact the show on 416-872-1010. Or you can text the show on 71010 at any point you like. It is live. I'm here in the flesh. Good evening. Um, it's a smorgasbord of audio cheeses drenched in a news-flavoured sauce. Bringing you uh, last week's news and uh, keenly so. Like a well-rested, fit and keen waiter with a silver tray of news nuggets. It's the Vinnie White Show. I had a good weekend. Um, Friday night I went out to... Have you ever been to the ROM live? It's really good. So the ROM, as you probably know, is the Royal Ontario Museum. And every... I think it's every week at the moment. Or Sorry, it was every week, and now it's gone back to every month. Check the website for definite details. I'm a bit lost. But, um, yeah, quite regularly they throw their doors open. And it's not just history. It's drinks. History, sexy people and dinosaurs. Um, and there's a real smorgasbord of attractions there because if for any reason you get a little bit lost in the six million different artefacts that are in the ROM, the biggest museum in uh, Canada, of course, and uh, you get bored exploring the natural world, the cultural past of this amazing land, the renowned collections... Uh, of leading scholars and uh, if, if you get bored of that and perhaps the innovative programs and galleries then you can look at uh, some of the sexy people wandering around in short skirts or uh, you know if you're the other way inclined and you like chaps then they're all quite dapper and dressed up it's a nice evening affair so I would really advise it it's good I learned a lot I forgot most of it obviously that's the problem a lot goes in and then the booze goes in and it all comes out, you know. So it's, it's probably not the best way of... If you're doing a history degree, go during the daytime. If you like a bit of a giggle, go during the evening. It's a really nice environment. Wouldn't work in England. We're too rowdy. They'd never do this in England. Someone would be throwing dinosaur bones across the room at someone else by about 11 o'clock. But uh, far more civilised country here and uh, everyone was very well behaved. So I enjoyed it a lot. Although I was slightly freaked out by the biggest attraction. So I would think or would have thought that the biggest attraction was probably going to be the fantastic collection of dinosaurs uh, put back together with some of their old bones and, of course, reconstructed painfully uh, with uh, fantastic information about their life uh, millions of years ago. Or if you're a creationist, 6,000 years ago. Weird, that. Um, it must be hard for creationists to wander around that museum. <laughs> Come out. No, no, really. No, it's 6,000, yes. 
Anyway, um, they go to well, they go to their own one, don't they? The creationists. They've got what's been dubbed the Flintstones Museum in, it's Ken- in Alabama or somewhere it's like in that. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they've rebuilt Noah's Ark outside it at a cost of over a million dollars. Because if there's one thing you need to do with a million dollars, it's build an ark. Which maybe is what they said to Noah. And maybe maybe one day I'll be on, laughing on the other side of my face. Exactly. History is repeating itself. Exactly. I'll just go to the Burj Khalifa or whatever. The CN Tower should be fine. I'll just get a permanent plane. Anyway, the biggest attraction there, and I still can't believe I'm going to say this, was, and there was a massive lineup for it. Loads of people lining up. I would say the lineup would take probably about 35 to 40 minutes to get to the front. What happens when you get to the front? It was a Ford promotion promoting one of their new small cars, fairly nondescript car, nothing particularly fancy. I don't even know what it was called. And the idea is that you get to the front of this lineup and then you sit in the car with your buddies and some of you hang out of the windows and one of you stands out of the sunroof and then it's all professionally lit and they take a photograph of you and it's in front of a green screen so they can simulate whatever background you want. So if you want to look like you're having fun and a crazy time on the open road of the uh, of the Andes, you can put the Andes in the background. If you want to put a city scene for the downtown high flyer, then you can put that in the background. And then, of course, it's all professionally shot and you get to take away the photographs. But let's not forget, this is a pretty transparent marketing ploy. This is... This seems to have no particular place in the museum. Now, having said that, I have no doubt that Ford paid good money to get in there that night. And if that money presumably goes to fund the museum and then as a result go on to educate the masses, then good thing too. But it was amazing to me that here you are, right, in this beautiful, cultural, amazing, majestic house of knowledge with world-renowned collections to the leading scholars and you've chosen to wedge yourself in an unremarkable car, falsified a smile to pretend you're having fun, and get your picture taken so you can put it on your narcissistic Twitter feed and show the world how utterly crazy you are, despite the fact that it's the most transparent, orchestrated, sanitised marketing campaign imaginable, where you become a pawn in a vacuous game of marketing chess in which you're doing the work of the advertising agency... The advertising agency gambled on you being so desperate to show the world how zany you are that you're prepared to hang out of a stationary, unremarkable, floodlit car in a heated building. Not exactly bonkers, is it? You lined up with other brainless drones to push a product that you have no emotional tie to. When you had the ROM, the entire collection of six million objects, screw anthropology, ancient civilizations, art and culture, biodiversity... Uh, sciences and archaeology. You want to pretend you're having fun in a picture. It was really weird and a bit dark. But I suppose I don't know why I'm surprised by this because everywhere you go, people are taking pictures of themselves in one manifestation or another. And everything's become so personalised with advertising of late, isn't it? So my message to advertising agencies of today, um, I might be the only one here I do agree. If you do agree with me, text me on 71010. Here's my message to advertising agencies. I don't want my name printed on a can of Coke. I don't even want it written in a pen on a cup of coffee. I don't need to be reminded of the flight I Googled days ago every time I use the internet. Don't want to. I uh, don't want to see pictures of my friends kidding themselves into thinking they are more important than anyone else by standing in front of repeated logos as if they're some sort of Hollywood majesty. 
I don't want to. I don't, oh, don't anyone call me and tell me I've won a cruise. Don't do that. Stop doing that. You've won a cruise, which I can probably redeem once I've paid an administration fee of a million dollars on my left testicle. And I don't want to star in a photo or film that will be used to prove how shallow and lost I am. All right? It wasn't funny. It was a bit bitter, really, wasn't it? I said, do I sound more misanthropic than usual, Patrick? A little bit. It started off funny, and then it just got more <laughs> angry and upsetting. It did. You were generally... I felt how upset you were by that. I think I may have halfway through got possessed by Jerry Agar. It was sort of an Agar-esque rant. Yeah. Anyway. And now comedy. <laughs> Let's talk about vaginas. That's much more fun. Spanish feminists offend Catholics with giant plastic vagina protest. Yes, fact. Uh, three women who carried a giant plastic vagina during a march this week to celebrate a, a, a specific workers' day in Spain are facing charges of crimes against religious sentiment. Yeah. The three women have not been named mimic Spain's famous Holy Week processions that take place, uh, take place in the run-up to Easter, of course. Uh, the women carried a plastic vagina a couple of metres high in the style of the Virgin Mary, said the uh, Seville-based judge. Many Spanish uh, religious festivals feature processions during which locals carry a statue of the Virgin Mary above their soldiers. This procession, though, um, had a vagina above their heads. A large uh, plastic vagina on their shoulders, parading it down the street during this march. Some of the women were also uh, wearing mantillas, uh, which is the black lace veils commonly worn by the devout Catholic women during religious celebrations in Spain. So a lot of Catholics thought, hey, crossing the line here. Now, the three women have been ordered to appear in court next year for uh, crimes against religious sentiments. Uh, they could be charged with provoking discrimination, hate and violence. I'm not sure how a giant vagina could promote violence, unless you threw it at someone. Yeah, it promotes nothing but love. I've always, I mean, let's not talk about our relationship with vaginas. Um, you, you're welcome to talk about yours, Patrick. <laughs> but I, they don't make me angry or violent, is what I'm saying. I think that's fair, isn't it? Absolutely. Without going into too much detail. Also, I couldn't help see the irony in the fact that here in Spain... Or there in Spain, I should say, unless we're doing a live broadcast that I didn't know about. Um, there in Spain, that has become such an awful thing to parade a vagina above your head. And these women may be getting locked up for it. It reminded me that there's very different festivals in other parts of the world. For example, in Japan, if you want to walk up the road with a massive plastic penis, go for it. Every spring in Japan, people travel to Kawasaki for a festival that is like no other. It is a celebration of fertility, a celebration of life, and more specifically, a celebration of penis. Called the Festival of the Steel Phallus, as in erect penis, the festival features people marching and dancing through the streets, parading around gigantic penis-shaped mikoshi, which are the portable shrines you see there, and according to the BBC, the festival's roots can be traced back to the 17th uh, century. Uh, diseases at Kawasaki's Kanamara Shrine, for example. The legend uh, goes as such. A woman had a demonic penis-eating vagina that remained undefeated until a blacksmith invented an indestructible iron phallus that shattered the demon's teeth. And that, boys and girls, is why they erect the iron phallus. Insane. Great. 
So there you are. What on a, a peculiar world we live in. Where you can walk with a giant penis above your head in the east, but not a giant vagina in the west. When we come back, we talk about moon bows. What's a moon bow? Hang around, you'll find out. You're tuned in to The Vinnie White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Very deep text just came in. Said, I heard you doing a bit about creationists not liking the ROM, the Royal Ontario Museum. And that creationists think that the year of the Earth's birth is only 6,000 years ago. He or she goes on to say, um, if you're a scientist, quantum mechanics say that time has no meaning. So if it's 6,000 years old or 4 billion years old, there's no difference. Yes, there is. <laughs> In that case, right, it's 2.35am um, and you're listening to News Talk 1010. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make... that. They, you're going to have to justify it better than that. I've read a lot of YouTube comments on uh, sort of Richard Dawkins videos that are almost exactly the same as that. The go-to thing is to find a, a theory in physics that somehow... Oh, is that what's... It? I didn't even get that. Is that what's happening here? Yeah, this, so whoever is using that is using sort of a vague social understanding of quantum physics to sort of justify the creationism. Like the 6,000 years, I've heard this a lot. Well, that's 6,000 years of how we interpret time now, but who knows how long a year could have been back then. Like, it's that right. bend over backwards to not just say, it's, it's you know, dinosaurs are 75 million years old. Right. That's it. So it's almost like saying the moon is made of cheese. But cheese is actually rocks. Exactly. See, our interpretation of cheese is too narrow. Yeah. A greater being could understand cheese to also be rocks or even air. Could we pop it in the file labelled BS? Yep. In she goes. Big bulging file. Moonbows. Here's a scientific fact that isn't not a fact. A moonbow exists. I didn't know about this till today. A rare lunar rainbow or moonbow was spotted tonight over uh, Western Iceland. Incredibly rare. It's been caught on camera near the small town of Skilholskom. In Iceland. And it was taken by a keen photographer called Vidor Bjornsson. Actually, I think I got that right. I'm not going to do it again, though. Uh, he said, I was, I was driving in heavy rain and so much wind that I stopped the car because I could not believe what I was seeing. I think I need a refresher, actually, because uh, I'm not sure that's very good Icelandic. Who's a famous? Bjork. Can you get me just so, because I want to do the rest of this, but I want to get it right. Can you give us a quick blast of Bjork? In Iceland is amazing for for, for spatialness, if there is such a word, because it's so stark. There is very stark. few people there, and very few plants, and very few animals. <laughs> There's a lot of room for you. It's so stark, so stark. So let's try again. Now I've been topped up with Bjork. I was driving in heavy rain, so different this time. And so much wind, I just stopped the car because I could not believe what I was seeing. It was very stuck. 
Um, first, I thought I was just seeing some reflection from my window of the car. But then, me and my friend decided to stop and try and get a picture of it. A second moonbow was also visible at the time, although it was very hard to photograph. Now, lunar rainbows, as they're technically called, or otherwise known as moonbows, are formed when moonlight, rather than direct sunlight, is refracted by moisture in the atmosphere. Just like a regular rainbow, but obviously not quite so easy to see. And they're much harder to see, in fact, than the daytime versions because moonlight is so much more faint, meaning they often look like nothing to the naked eye, although the colours emerge in long exposure photographs. So if you ever think you can see one, get out your car, set up a tripod, get a long exposure going. I mean, you will also need to be in Iceland and um, they're only visible every few decades. So good luck with that. Learn Photoshop, fake it, a lot easier. Uh, the combination of conditions required for a lunar rainbow appear to make it a very rare sight, even in the dark skies of Iceland. I've never seen this before, says Mr. Bjordson, adding that he has uh, he'd never even heard of a moonbow. Nor had I. Moonbows exist. Uh, here in Canada, if you want to see a moonbow, you just drink ten strongbows and look at traffic. Actually, if you want to see a moonbow and you do drink ten strongbows, be sure not to fire longbow. Instead, just watch strongbow. Or read about the Congo or Tongo while you play a bongo. Highbrow humour here. <sighs> um, text in your thoughts on John Tory as a moose. <laughs> Did you see it? John Tory, Toronto's mayor, uh, dressed up as a moose today. I thought it was really cute. I can't believe like people on social media, <laughs> some of them wrote underneath the article, do your job. You know what? Sometimes dressing up as a moose is doing your job. And that's the case here. John Torrey took time out of his regular schedule today to uh, play a part in uh, the ballet Nutcracker here in Toronto. Torrey appeared in a moose costume for a 40-second part in the traditional ballet, uh, which was presented with a Canadian twist, of course. Uh, this is a Canadianized version of the Nutcracker, and that's why there's, there's a moose in it, said Torrey, uh, who looked very good, actually. He did a little dancey pops, 40 seconds. Apparently, rumour has it, that he checked that the moose wasn't evil first. Good for him. Didn't want to be the bad guy. No, he... Very politically correct. Exactly. And I think it was... I don't even know if it was... I don't think it had any sexual views, any race views. It wasn't carrying a gun. It was just a regular common or garden asexual moose. It had neutral viewpoints on any socio-political issues. And like all moose, it was a vegetarian. Amen. Although it's a bit unfair that it wasn't in a wheelchair. I think that was a bit deflammatory to disabled people. Absolutely. It wasn't very inclusive. We've got to put a stop to this. At least have a crutch, you know, and a limp. In this day and age. Yeah. Sickening. Sickening. Terrible mare. Poor bloke's getting so much hassle. He's getting hassle as well for um, flying to Paris. You hear that? Did you hear Mark Tui's show earlier? No. Yeah, Mark Tui's show. I like Mark Tui. Hi, Mark. How you doing? And uh, now I'm going to criticise you. Um, <laughs> that's how I always warm people up. That David Eddy, great guy. <laughs> Idiot. Hi, Dave. It's only because he's there. Um, yeah, so Mark said uh, today, Mr. Mayor, what are you doing flying to the uh, Paris Climate Conference? And to which he said, uh, going to a climate conference. By the way, also worth pointing out, it's not being paid for by taxpayers' money, the flight's there. And then he jumped on him and said, well, hang on a minute, I hear that you're meeting up with the mayor of Vancouver and other mayors from around Canada. Why do you need to go all the way to Paris if you want to meet the mayor of Vancouver? Here's the news. It's cheaper to fly to Paris. 
Wow. So it actually makes sense. So that, that slam didn't work very well. Uh, we're going to talk about funny words. And later on, Patrick, I was wondering if I could use you as a bit of a guinea pig. Well, I don't really have a choice, do I? You don't, really. Again, you're contractually obliged. And if you walk out, you'll be fired instantly from a cannon. Um, but I would like to do a little thing where we are going to do... I'm going to give you a list of words. And you have to tell me which one's real and which one isn't. Ooh, I like that game. Yeah. And if you get them wrong, you're fired. But first, since I've got you here and you're talking, got any Christmas plans? <clears throat> no, but I was thinking the other day I need not only a thoughtful but affordable gift. Oh, that's so hard to do, isn't it? Let me just look. Um, I'm just going to type in what gift could I get for a good price here in Toronto from a reliable company. Let me just do that. First answer there, mate, is a Mr. Photo Canvas. Apparently, it's a company that makes canvas prints of your photographs or artwork in a cheap and uh, high-quality way. Plus, pay on pickup. That's tremendous. Did you get the website URL? No. Could you tell me it again? Sure thing. MrPhotoCanvas.com. MrPhotoCanvas.com? It's almost like this is an advert, but it's not. It, or should we just admit it? I, I kind of... It was. It's my company. Uh, to be genuine, I actually might come to you and get some stuff done for a Christmas gift. See, that sounded quite real. I really, I need something good and sentimental, but I... What's happened? This is an advert that is in in live radio actually working. So if you're thinking about advertising on News Talk 1010, there's, there is the power I'll probably buy whatever it is you advertise on News Talk yeah. 1010. So why not advertise? With News Talk, I've never become so corporate in my life. I've got a little bit of a... I've just been violently sick in my mouth. <laughs> corporate Vinny. <laughs> Let's move on. Down with the big corporations, apart from the one that sponsors this show. Anyway, um, should we do a break? I suppose we should. How many have we got to do? Uh, at least a couple. Yeah, go on. Slide in a quickie here, buddy. This is the Venny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. You're listening to Vinnie White on News Talk 1010 with our resident news junkie, Amanda Capito. Good evening. Good evening. Always a pleasure, never a chore. What you been up to? <laughs> wow, that was a, a nice pacing there. I've mm. been good. I've been doing the news. Mm, good at that. Thanks, I tried. It's in the news. I hear there's a bit of upset that Tory's spending taxpayers' money to go to Paris. Okay, yeah, but he's not spending taxpayers' money to go to Paris. It's a bit of a hoo-ha, isn't it? I was listening to Mark Tui's show earlier, and he was like, hey, what's going on? Because that's obviously how Mark Tui speaks. <laughs> hey, what's going on? What you doing going over there spending all this money? Do you need to go to Paris to meet people? Yeah, that was Mark Tui. did give him a hard time today. Mm. Um but so he's being uh, sponsored, his trip's being funded to, for him to go over. So that's fine. It's not on the taxpayer's dime. But yes, he is spending time, two days worth, and bringing three other people from City Hall with him to go to Paris for the climate change conference, mm. which many world leaders are going to. Um, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is there, Premier Kathleen Wynne. And so John Tory is going along with the mayor of Vancouver and the mayor of Montreal. And part of the agenda is also to meet with them while they're while they're in Paris. Yeah. And this is what Mark Tui jumped on because he said, why would you need to go all the way to Paris to meet them? Why couldn't you meet Canadian leaders of various other cities, mayors of other cities here in Canada? But that's sort of a moot point, isn't it? Because it costs as much to get to Paris as it does to Vancouver anyway. Isn't that sad? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually probably cheaper to go to Paris. That's why I've never been out west. Because yeah. <laughs> every time I think about it, I think, oh, I'll just go home and see my mum. 
Yeah. You know? Of course. And the other point is, uh, the, and what John Tory said was that coordinating a meeting between the three of them is just as hard, if not more complicated, to arrange while we're here in Canada rather than a place that they're all going to anyway. It's really just killing two birds with one stone, the fact that they can meet there. I think also, in my opinion, from that interview, Mark was being a little bit... I think he may have overlooked that there is a point in going to a climate change summit. Climate change is important, and it's not just the decisions of business owners and large world leaders. There are people on the ground. And if we're the biggest city in Canada, shouldn't we lead by example? Yeah. It's true, and Toronto's huge. Yeah, and, and it's also very cold and needs a lot of heating and isn't <laughs> plugged into geothermal pipelines. So, you know, we need some solutions. And what John Tory said is that we're experimenting with things that other countries and other cities ha- may have not. So we also have experience of, that we can share and others can learn from and vice versa. Yeah. I would like to see this city a bit greener, wouldn't you? Yeah, I just want it to be done in a cost-effective way. Mm. And so I know there's been... The problem is we have some really great ideas. And I feel like when the ideas come about, we are just eager to implement them, even though they're maybe not the most cost-efficient way of doing it. Mm. So, for instance, solar panels. My father's an electrician. And over the last five, ten years, especially the, recently, there's in the last five years, there's been a huge push for them, but they're not necessarily the most economical way of of uh of getting power and putting in a and putting it in installing and then the amount of you know the amount of energy you're actually getting from it it's just it doesn't equal out it's not cost effective it's not worth it it's not quite as black and white as that well i know i'm really dumbing it down yeah but there was you know um they're cheaper than ever before and they're getting cheaper all the time that's the thing they're getting cheaper as we go along. Yeah. And so maybe in a couple more years, they're going to be cheap enough and the costs will offset. But yeah. 10 years ago when they were pushing solar panels, that didn't make sense. They were yeah. still so expensive, yet we were so eager to push them because we're like, look at this great technology. They're it like works. flat screen TVs, aren't they? They're coming down at such a ridiculous rate that you yes. always, every time you're about to go and buy one, you think, I could just wait 20 minutes and they'll come down another $10 anyway. Exactly. So I hated that there was a huge push for them when they weren't... They weren't, it wasn't cost effective yet. Yeah. So why not hammer it all out? Let's get a really good system in place. Let's get some some cheap ways to, you know, install them and then let's push it on. Can you power a city from farts? <laughs> I had to like play that back in my mind. Just going to think outside the box. <laughs> Just wondering. Maybe you can, you can uh, pitch that. Maybe you should go to Paris and pitch that. <laughs> Send Benny on the road. Right, I want to talk to you about something. Okay. Do you like Nutella? I love Nutella. Okay. Nutella. Oh, oh, you didn't even know that about me, that I, I love Nutella. If I smeared my entire body with it, would you lick it all off? Oh, things could get dangerous. Because tonight, under this shirt, <laughs> I've got something to show you. No, I think we can see from that reaction that you like it. I'm, I sit more on the fence with it, really. Why? Because I'm more of a savoury man. Give me Marmite any day of the week. And for those that don't know what that is, it's a uh, a spread that is uh, eaten a lot in England, black, that you put on toast. And most people that haven't grown up with it find it repulsive. It was found during the brewing process. It's basically the crap in the bottom of the barrels. Oh. And they thought, they've got a lot of this stuff. Hey, let's put it on toast and try and sell it. And oh, my God. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit addicted to that when, okay. I, when I have toast. But I can see, I can see the appeal of a Nutella, yeah. Nutella have refused to print a personalised label on a jar for a five-year-old. So, you know, recently Coke did that thing right. where you can put your own name on it. 
yeah. then you take pictures of it and put it on social media and you know it just saves them money advertising yeah because you become the the misled naive drone that is their new marketing company sure well there's a woman in australia heather taylor she's got a daughter whose name is isis Oh. Now, I think it might be time for a change there. Yeah. Because I know that you're, well, essentially the Greek goddess. Yes, Isis, it is good. Was yes. first. Yes. And then you could argue, I should imagine if your daughter is five years old, you probably should have known about that five years ago. But let's assume that Isis weren't named Isis five years ago. I don't because they're still called ISIL Islamic State. No one's ever been that sure of what we should call them anyway. Yeah. I think the one thing we can agree with that they're all bastards, but I'm not quite sure that you could use that on the news as a title. Yeah. The bastards have done some bombing again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll take that into consideration for my next news. Yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Although it would be nice, wouldn't it? Honest news. Yeah, more bastards. There was uh, some bastards in a new place this week. <laughs> anyway, um, Isis is her name, and she's got a brother called Odhin. Okay. Who, I wonder if that's a Greek god as well. I wouldn't know. I'm not that good not with sure. Greek mythology. But nonetheless, uh, they were shopping with their auntie at a department store in Australia uh, when she purchased the jars and put the name in, Isis, and it came back, no, we're not printing it. Mm. Uh and so she went to the management team. <laughs> I don't know why this is such a big surprise. I know. I've, my son Adolf is very upset. <laughs> you know? So she went to the, the guys at the top of Nutella Australia and they said, well, this negative publicity of such a beautiful name needs to stop. What well, she said, this negative publicity of this name needs to stop. Uh, but they said no. We're not. We're not going to change it. Like all campaigns, there needs to be campaigns. There needs to be consistency in the way terms and conditions are applied. Unfortunately, this has meant that there have been occasions where a label has not been approved on the basis that it would be misinterpreted by the broader community or viewed as inappropriate. A very political, and correct I, way of saying no. We're not going to print ISIS. And that's fair. Is it? I think it is. Isn't yes, it? it is. But she's saying, why don't we all, as a result of this, start calling ISIS Daesh? And then my daughter can have a name back. This is someone know. who wanted to make a political statement. They were wanting to be a little activist. And she's using her daughter. And I think that's actually inappropriate. I feel bad for the daughter being put out so that she, so that the mother can make this political statement agree and, and cause because a scene. Let's say that Nutella said, yes, yeah, good point. Your daughter's called Isis. That's a great god. We'll give her a jar with Isis written on it. It's not like that battle would end there. No. She's still going to get humiliated at school. Of course. She's still definitely going to choose to change that in about 10 years' time. And the mother's going to have to fight battle after battle after battle. And she's going to probably love it because she's one of those people that just... I'm really making a lot of assumptions and I'm getting really riled up. <laughs> she's, but she's one of those people that just wants attention. And she's just doing this now. And poor Nutella is just trying to make hazelnut chocolatey goodness for people, and they're having to deal with this this nutbag, pun intended. Her brother's called Odhin. <laughs> you, you know, you can't say that it's, look, we just choose normal names, and we're being discriminated against. Okay, I don't know if you're being culturally insensitive right now. <laughs> I don't know what a normal name is, but if you wanted to name her, if she really felt passionate about naming her daughter Isis, then she has to name it and, and name her that, and then that's it. And don't make don't make her part of this larger ploy or, or try to, you know, to take things and in, make them political. Yeah. It's not what this is about. And Nutella have got quite a nice bit of, pardon the pun, coverage <laughs> from this. Do you see what I did? Yes. Wasn't that good, was it? No. Shall I resign? <laughs> <laughs> On the back of that one? Yeah. I think I'm yeah. ready. Yeah. Anyway, so there we go. We stuck up for the corporate giant for once, and... Uh, not the silly woman. Yeah. Word to your mother. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Vinny.
You're tuned in to the Vinny White Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Oh, I see. <laughs> I put on my. I never use Facebook. And today, I just thought, oh, for once, I'm going to put on. Um, I'm on NewsTalk1010.com live talking Nutella, and the first comment underneath is some dude who just says terrible stuff. At first, I thought he, oh, he might mean the radio show. I'm assuming he means Nutella. Either way, I'm not offended. Um, right, funny words. There is a science of funny words. Did you know about this? I'm rather shocked. Uh, here in Canada, we have the University of Alberta, and they've been doing some research there into what makes a funny word. And now they think, the scientists, they can prove it with a mathematical method. This really is the first paper that's ever had a quantifiable theory of humour, says the uh, humour void, that is, the University of Alberta's psychology professor, Chris Westbury. Uh, lead author of the recent study. Now, Westbury has noticed that a trend exists where participants would laugh when they heard some of the made-up non-words. Words, for example, like schnuckoople. That's quite entertaining. That's better than ISIS, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was funny. Come here, schnuckoople. Anything with P's and K's in it is pretty funny. Well, there's, yeah, funny you should say that, because I will enlighten you with more of the mathematical formula, so you too can spend your evenings making up the most ridiculous words you can. Westbury has hypothesised that a word's entropy, which is a math- mathematical measure of how ordered or predictable it is, determines if it's inherently funny. So I'll say that again. A word's entropy, a word that I'm struggling with, a word's entropy, a mathematical measure of how ordered or predictable a word is, determines whether it's inherently funny. Non-words like flingham with uncommon letter combinations are lower in entropy and therefore funnier. Flingham. Um, He says it essentially comes down to the probability of individual letters. So if you look at a word like razzmatazz and calculate its entropy, you would find that it has a low entropy because it has improbable letters like Z. Razzmatazz. Westbury said that uh, he was set out to determine whether it was possible to predict what words people would find funny using entropy. <laughs> I'm really struggling with this. Using that word, entropy, as a yardstick. And now the results show that the bigger the difference in the entropy between the two words, the more likely the subjects were to choose the way we expected them to. In other words, it was really predictable noting that the most accurate subject chose correctly 92% of the time. So we can tell what people find funny. He says flip-flop, therefore, is funnier than shoe. I agree. Yeah, but flip-flop is like all onomatopoeias funny. Yes, definitely. It's an onomatopoeia. It flips and flops. Absolutely. That's why they're called that, because aren't they normally called thongs? They do call them that in Australia. And a thong in England is, which I think is, is a thong in England the same as it is here? A pair of knickers that go up your bum? Yeah, exactly. That's small yeah. women's underwear. I was in Australia once and they said, uh, oh, I need a new pair of thongs. And I thought, you're a fully grown man. I mean, you're <laughs> welcome to and good for you. But why two? Do you go through them that quickly? Do you know, actually, the flip-flop was invented by a Frenchman. You're kidding. Mm, his name was Philippe Philop. <laughs> <laughs> Walked into that. 
Walked into that. Walked into a shoe gag. My goodness, this is the best radio show we've ever done in the history of radio shows. To be able to predict what the level of accuracy is amazing. You hardly ever get this in psychology, he said, where you can predict that someone what someone will choose 92% of the, of the time. So I suppose fair enough to him. He's, he's unfounded a formula there. He concluded that the study cost a uh, hip-hab of money and achieved diddly squat. What's a load of bumfuzzle and collie wobbles? <laughs> Actually, I'm going to play a game with you now because during this very radio show, I got a word wrong and someone picked, picked me up on it on text. Um, I said deflammatory earlier instead of defamatory. So someone texted, what does deflammatory mean? <laughs> as much as that's textable. Um, so, yes, I'm, yeah, you know what? Even old Finney. Hey, even old Muggins here. The words of wisdom that come spewing out of this head every week. Some of them are wrong. But I now want to play a little game, and I'll play it with you, Patrick, since there's only you and me here. It'd be a bit weird if I brought someone else in. Um, I want to ask you a list of words, and I want you to tell me whether they're true or not, okay? Deal. Perfect. Is this a word? And if so, what does it mean? Pronk. Uh, that's not a word. It is a word. It means <laughs> it means uh, a weak or foolish individual. That would be me then. See, see what happened. You became a pronk in not knowing what a pronk was. You're absolute pronk. Dongle. <laughs> There's no way that's a word. Dongle is a actually you'll know this if you're in IT. It's actually a piece of computer hardware that connects a computer to another device. Oh, I should know that. You should. Plug your dongle in. Shivel. Um, that is a word. <laughs> so far, you're not doing very well. It oh. is not a word. Why is that not a word? It sounds like chivalry, I guess. Yeah. Um, the next word. Is this in the dictionary or not? Primapop. Yes, it's in the dictionary. I'm so sorry, Pat. It's oh not. Oh, my God. You have so far managed to find I'm an idiot. Four out of four. Redemption possibly on the horizon. Friendly. No. Oh my god, it is! Oh. <laughs> I took David Eddy's advice. He's a professional writer. I thought he would know. It is the definition to do something in a friendly way. For example, he friendly questioned my desires. I know it's honestly, it sounds false, but it's true. He friendly, fr I can't even say it. He friendly questioned my desires. It's not a good word. It's a ridiculous word, but it does exist, I'm afraid. I wonder if we can get you to get zero. <laughs> well, 92% get it right, so this is awful. No, that's not referring to that. 92%. They can pre predict to 92% which word a user will choose over t out of oh, two okay. words, which one's funny. Okay, okay. So don't worry about that. This is a different thing. Um, cabotage. Cabotage. Or it might be cabotage. Okay, then real. Is correct! Who's a clever little sausage? Yay! It means coastal navigation. Um, hmm. Flabadoodle-doo. Uh, it's not real. <laughs> That's my one. I like that. So you've got two so far out of one, two, three, four, five, six, two out of seven. Ugh. Age last. Is age last in the dictionary, Pat? 
age last. Mm. With a T on the end? Yeah. No. It is. What does it mean? Someone who never laughs. Age last? Yeah, I don't It's a weird word, isn't it? But yeah, if you're someone that never laughs, you are age last. Or you could perhaps you are a age last. Hmm. I've never, never even heard anything real close to that one. Well, there's not many people like it. I did work with a woman that never laughed. She had a face like a spanked ass. <laughs> oh, she was the miserablest thing you've ever seen. Making pizzas in Gatwick Airport, as if that isn't already bloody miserable. I'd come in at four in the morning. Times were hard back in the day. Very hard. And uh, I'd come in at four in the morning and try and warm her up with a bit of a gag. Nothing. I never even cracked a smile in the two weeks I was working there. That's not good. I know. And then she fired me because I fell asleep on the train <laughs> on the way into work and woke up in London, Victoria. That's so funny. <laughs> and I, so I think I, I got the train back again and then came into work an hour late. And I said, sorry, I'm late. She said, there's no need to be sorry. You know where the stairs are. Oh. Down you go. Leave through the door. Don't come back. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I know. And then I married her. No, I didn't. How long has this show have we got left? Uh, 55 seconds. Is that all? I was going to talk about panda chatting. I'd love to hear it. See if we can wedge it in. Scientists of China this week have found out the meaning of 13 different giant panda vocalisations. We haven't even mastered the human ones, but apparently scientists are all over the pandas. During a five-year study at a conservation centre in China, researchers found that male pandas bar like a sheep when courting a male, and females respond with a bird-like chirp or twitter. They believe that pretty soon they'll be able to decode everything a panda is saying to another panda. Do you think the panda is thinking, I'm going to make a noise like a sheep to get laid? Or it just happens to sound similar Look to a sheep? Look at the legs on that panda. Meh! <laughs> <laughs> and then she tweets if she's, on, if she's into it. So I suppose if, you, if you're ever passing a panda sanctuary, as you often do, and you hear, Meh! Tweet, tweet, tweet. Film it. Actually, don't film it. That made me sound like I was into panda porn. That is just, I'm just saying they don't... Panda voyeurism. I was just saying they don't do it much. So if your film would probably be worth some money. I'm not saying I get off on pandas. Should we finish the show? Yeah, I think we are about wrapped up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Flim Flam Codswallop. And I'll be back next week with more of the same. Perhaps slightly better. Who knows? Ta-da.